Why choose a Sleep Number Smart Bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number Smart Bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 Smart Bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Special Edition Smart Bed, plus free home delivery when you add an adjustable base. Ends Monday. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com. On this week's episode, I talk with Dr. Katherine Schmidt, a clinical psychologist, about tangible ways on how you can lower your anxiety, how to get a better night's sleep, and how alcohol can actually worsen your anxiety. If you do sleep with your partner, if you share a bed, get your own comforter, okay? I like have that. <laughs> I know. When I share I this with it. clients, <laughs> when I share this with clients, they're like, why have I not thought of this? I swear to you, this is a game changer because you don't need to be fighting over the blanket. And even in the middle of the night, if you're a little cold, you're pulling it over. Get your own comforter. I swear to you, this is a game changer and can be really helpful. That will save a lot of marriages, I think. <laughs> I know. I know. This is some nice free advice we're giving today. We're right. saving marriages. Hi, and welcome to The Parentologist Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Kim. The Parentologist Podcast is a show about everything parenting with a therapeutic twist. Each episode focuses on a variety of relatable topics, including parenting, family, children, relationships, mental health, and pop culture. Hear from a variety of medical professionals, psychological experts, authors, celebrities, and other parents with inspiring stories. You'll feel like you're in the same room with your friends getting all of your questions answered. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll learn, and you'll have fun. Dr. Catherine, I am so excited you're here today on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you. I am too. You know, we are going to deep dive today into a really interesting topic that I feel affects so many people, so many individuals in the world about anxiety and how it affects our sleep patterns, Mm -hmm. um, how alcohol can add to that. We're going to talk about all those things. So I'm excited to get started if you are. Uh, I just... Mm -hmm. I want to start by asking you about where some of these messages come from when it comes to drinking alcohol to escape reality, drinking alcohol as a coping skill, Mm -hmm. drinking alcohol to unwind after a long day. Those messages have been around for a long time. Will you explain that a little more before we get started so we can, you know, use that as a baseline to talk about, you know, what we're going to be discussing more today? Yeah, I think anytime we discuss something like alcohol consumption or our coping skills, we have to look at, well, why are we doing this? What's compelling us to act this way? So before we get into the nuts and bolts of alcohol, we need to talk about how normalized it is within our culture. And we've chatted a little bit about this. There's that mommy wine culture. And I want to be really clear that there's no judgment when we're talking about this because our environment is really fostering this as a coping skill. You know, we see it on little wine, like mommy's juice, right? Um, And then collectively, even though alcohol, it is a toxin, our body receives it as a toxin, it causes cell damage. Society doesn't really discuss alcohol in that way at social events, you know, get togethers, celebrations. And as you mentioned, nightcaps uh, on our motherhood journeys, decompressing after a long day, it's incredibly normalized. So we really have to acknowledge that before we move forward and saying, well, why are we doing this? Well, 
it's all around us, right? Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it is. And, and, and like you mentioned, there's gift card or gift cards, um, greeting cards out there that have the memes on there about mm-hmm. how, you should, how you should drink because life is so stressful. Raising mm-hmm. children is so stressful. Jobs are so stressful. And mm-hmm. it's become so normalized that it it's almost more normal to talk about it than it isn't. And so yeah. I definitely want to dispel some of those myths today that we don't have to buy into some of that culture. We don't you know, have to do it because our friends are doing it and everyone's an individual and can make their own choices. Yes. And I think if things are done responsibly and you know, you, you know what you're doing when, when you're drinking, because I don't know if everyone knows how much drinking can affect anxiety levels and also sleep patterns. And I'm yes. here <laughs> yes. as a mom as well as you to Same. talk about how we can get a better night's sleep. I feel like yeah. it's affected by so many things. And I know that you mm-hmm. have an expertise in sharing about that. So mm-hmm. um, first, let's let's start off by talking about what are some basic strategies regarding sleep hygiene? What are some things that we can do on a regular basis to help us set us up for success for a better night's sleep? Mm-hmm. So when it comes to sleep, it's really about setting the environment for yourself. And the way I like to frame it is if you just jump into something with no preparation, you're going to be frustrated if it doesn't work out. If you just lay down and you're like, okay, I'm supposed to be sleeping. Like, why is this what's happening? It's not working for me right now. We want to create the environment as best as possible. And one of the things we can do is make sure our environment is dark. Okay. So get the blinds, get the blackout curtains. And the reason for this is that this produces melatonin in our body, which causes drowsiness. A lot of us know that already, but what most people don't know is that melatonin is actually anti-inflammatory. So it helps our cells regenerate, um, helps our body heal and boosts immunity. So we want to be sleeping. We want to be sleeping in the dark, get that melatonin going. This is really interesting. Try to get your temperature in your room to about 60 65 degrees. I know that might seem a little bit on the chilly side, but research shows us that's when you're going to have optimal sleep. So get another blanket, you know, get cozy, put that thermostat down a little bit if you can bear it. Um, Also sound machine. Kind of we're priming our environment right now. I use a sound machine. I mean, we're therapists, so I have my sound machine for my office when I have time. But I also have a sound machine in the evening because it's signaling your body, oh, okay, it's time to sleep, kind of setting the tone. The other thing is that lavender is a really great tool. Um, Research shows that that calms our body as well, decreases stress. So really create that environment. And then we want to establish a sleep schedule. So check in with yourself. If you're a night owl, don't try to go to bed at 8 p.m. We've got to honor who you are naturally, but it's about recognizing what works for you, what feels good with your body, and then, this is the important part, create some consistency. Of course, there's some wiggle room. We are parents. <laughs> we have to. <laughs> we are getting up in the middle of the night. We are getting up earlier sometimes, but if you can, create some consistency of when you go to bed and when you wake up. Um, you also want to, and this one's a little controversial, get the pets out of your room if you can, because a lot of times we're like, oh no, the, the dog's in there. It's no big deal, but it can actually, they can be disrupting our sleep and we don't even remember that they're disrupting our sleep, but they are getting in the way of that REM cycle. They're moving around. So if you feel comfortable and I have my Labradoodle here with me, so I know all about how they want to be close to us, um, try to get the pet out of the bedroom. 
Also lights. We want to make sure that if you do have your cell phone in your room, don't have notifications buzzing, don't have it facing up, face it down. Okay. So now that we have primed our environment, we have got sort of a schedule that we're, we're feeling good about. Now we want to create even more of a nighttime routine. So this is either a hot shower, a bath, I love a skincare routine. I know everyone on the internet for the last four years is talking about their skincare routine, but something that decompresses you and makes you feel good and checks in that you're able to check in with yourself. And then this is one of the things that I don't know why it took me until my early 30s to realize this. If you do sleep with your partner, if you share a bed, get your own comforter. Okay. I like that. I know. When I share this with clients, when I share this with clients, they're like, why have I not thought of this? I swear to you, this is a game changer because you don't need to be fighting over the blanket. And even in the middle of the night, if you're a little cold, you're pulling it over. Get your own comforter. I swear to you, this is a game changer and can be really helpful. That will save a lot of marriages, I think. I know. I know. This is some nice free advice we're giving today. We're saving marriages. Um, Exactly. Um, and then the other thing is maybe some, uh, blue, like light blocking glasses in the evening. Um, and then the other thing that people don't think about is make sure you're not dehydrated when you're going to sleep. Um, this can cause leg cramping. You know, you don't want to be full cause you're going to have to run to the restroom in, in the middle of the night, but make sure that you are hydrated. Okay. I know I just went through a long list of those things, but I always say, take what works for you and then leave the rest, right? So maybe take one or two of those habits to prime your bedroom, one two, one or two of those things in your skincare, you know, in the in the routine that's helpful for you. And then this is actually a nice way to shift to the other topics that we'll be discussing is really make sure that you are practicing pro-sleep behaviors during the day. Are you getting fresh air? Are you exercising? What is your caffeine intake? And what is your alcohol consumption like as well? Wow. Great tips. I hope everyone was taking notes. If not, I think <laughs> everyone should rewind, you know, about two or three minutes and start writing, you know, jotting all those down because you really gave some great tips. And, and not just for, like you said, um, to, to sleep well through the night. Because I know I have usually a problem sometimes. I'm a very light sleeper. So everything can wake me up. Mm-hmm. And whether my husband turns over on his side, whether the dog is sometimes in with us yes. too, and he shakes and you hear his call rattling <laughs> and that wakes me up and then I know. Of course the kids and then just all the things and then once I'm awake it's hard for me to go back to sleep and this could mm-hmm. be on you know low caffeine low alcohol consumption you know doing all the things we have our blackout curtains we have a fan oh, on right so you know but it still happens you know to all of us at certain times now I could get better at the self-care routine at night mm-hmm. um, I think what people always ask me if you could go back in time and tell your earlier self one thing what would it be and I would say oh, to have a better question. skincare routine <laughs> to take care of my skin mm-hmm. at a younger age so I'm not you know at an older age and trying to make up for lost time and trying to use all the collagen and all the things that they suggest mm-hmm. so, um, any suggestions to people like me who are light sleepers, who may wake up in the middle of the night, whether it's your dog, your child, or whatever, you know, to be able to fall back to sleep? Is there anything mm-hmm. that we could do while we're lying in bed to, I mean, obviously not looking at our phone, that would be the most probably worst thing we could do. But is there anything extra we could do when we're already, you know, in the bed and it's two in the morning and we're having trouble falling back to sleep? 
Yeah. First of all, it's so common. That happens to so many different people. So normalizing it is the first thing. When we wake up and we're judgmental towards ourselves, we're like, damn, why am I up again? I've got a meeting in the morning. The baby's not awake right now. I should be sleeping. What what is wrong with me? We then go into this shame spiral. Does that seem restful? Does that seem restorative? Am I going to fall back asleep if I'm talking to myself that way? No. Instead, take some deep breaths. What you can do is have a journal by the side of your bed. One tool that is incredibly helpful is to have a worry journal. So before you go to bed, just jot down things that are on your mind, pain points, things you're concerned about, things that frustrated you about your day. Externalize it. Don't just have it rattling around in your brain as you go to bed. Write those things down. You'd be surprised how helpful this is that when you then wake up in the middle of the night, you're not going through your to-do list. You're not like, you know what? I am still frustrated. That person did that thing to me. No, you've processed that already, right? So when you wake up in the middle of the night, ah, okay, I woke up. I'm going to take a few deep breaths. Oh yeah, I already addressed that thing that's on my mind. Yeah, I've got it planned for tomorrow. Yep, I'm good. Okay, let's take a few more deep breaths get in my body a little bit. Um, And one of the breathing techniques that I really like, you can do this is in bed is five finger breathing. I I wish, you know, love podcasts, but they don't have the visual right now. So I'll describe to you what I'm doing, but have one finger, have one hand out when you're laying in bed and just trace your finger with your pointer finger of your other hand. And when you go up the thumb, take a deep breath in. And then when your pointer finger goes down, take a deep breath out. And then going up the finger, take a deep breath in. And then when you're going down, take a deep breath out. You'd be surprised how quickly you pass out when you're doing that. So that's a few of the techniques um, that can be helpful. Normalize it, address those worries ahead of time, and then take some deep breaths. I love that. Oh my goodness. And those are such tangible things and and practical things that we can do. Well, I can do. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I do them. I've done that before with my hand and I think that will help so much. And I do need something by my bed because I I normally use my notes and my phone to write things down. And it's always at two in the morning. I feel like I have the best ideas, you know, for TikTok or a title of my book or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I got to write that down really quick so I don't lose it because the next morning mm-hmm. I'll completely forget I even had the thought in the first place. So I think having an actual journal, you know, like you said, by the bed, so you're not using the light of your phone because that might wake you up more um, yeah. and be able to write that down. And I'll always think, oh, I did, forgot to write that person back via email. I you know, need to do that. And sometimes I will just because it's it's so anxiety provoking for me to leave things undone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, I'd, lo- I'd love to dive into some of the anxiety about it and how anxiety can um, prevent us from having a good night's sleep and even having a good morning when we wake up the next day. It can, you know, debilitate mm-hmm. us. So how can someone support their own anxiety? And um, as you had mentioned, and I'd love to hear more about this, build a mental health toolkit. Yes. So I believe in being strengths-based. I think all of us have skills that we are all practicing. It's not about saying, okay, I need to overhaul my life and start from scratch with anxiety management. No, you're already doing tools. There might there might just be a way to augment them or improve them so that you're able to function a little bit better. And the way we do that is by having our mental health toolkit. And I'm going to go through a list. I'm going to try to speak slowly as I share these with you um, so that you can really let these resonate. And when I share things, like, for example, one of them is going to therapy. Some people are like, mm, okay, not for me, not ready yet. 
that's okay. Just knowing that is it is an option and available to you is sometimes what's helpful. Because when you are feeling really anxious or you feel like you have a panic attack coming on or you feel depleted energy-wise, just having some level of hope or going, you know what? Yeah, they mentioned that therapy might be helpful. Or they mentioned that, you know, eating protein at each meal can really bolster my mood. Like, okay, that's a nice option. So as I share these, you know, approach this with a lot of self-compassion and patience, right? Not like, yeah. oh man, this is one more thing I'm not doing. And this is why exactly. my anxiety is not going well. No, 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 no. These are all options for you. And you're already doing an amazing job, right? The fact that you're even listening to this and participating shows that you're engaged in your life. That's the most important thing. Um, so knowing that therapy is an option is really helpful. Having that weekly commitment or every two weeks to get that support, nutrition and hydration is vital. And you talked about getting up in the morning and feeling anxious. Well, a lot of us were having caffeine in the morning. What does caffeine do? It decreases our appetite, right? Um, it revs up cortisol levels, that stress hormone in our body. So we're wondering why we are so uncomfortable when we wake up in the morning. We're also grabbing our phone, right? How you mentioned like, yeah, I've got that email I've got to get back to. So you're grabbing your phone. So within the first few moments of getting up, we're already stressed. Our body is flooded with cortisol. We're not focusing on our management techniques. We're focusing on, I need to get the kids out the door. I've got to let the dog out. I've got to pack the lunch. I've got to do this. And then we wonder why our day is starting and we feel terrible. And then we carry that throughout the day. So one technique I want to share is that if you have a period of an hour or two hours or a portion of the day that is rough, don't let it leak into the rest of the day. If you had a chaotic and stressful morning and you didn't really get to have a good nutritious breakfast, okay, take a deep breath reset the tone and then start lunchtime with something nutritious, get protein in. That's the most valuable thing that your body can have. Make sure you're hydrating yourself and then reset the day. So when you're going to bed that night, you're not like, oh, today was really stressful. I wasted, I missed this opportunity for connection with my kiddo. I snapped at my partner. No, no, no. You can look back and go, wow, this morning was brutal. Let's acknowledge that it was brutal. But then we shifted things around and used our coping skills, right? We also want to be in community and express ourselves to people that we care about. It is so easy, and I'm not knocking social media. I love social media. It has a purpose, right? But that doesn't foster the connection that we need. You know, responding to a friend's message on Instagram or watching a TikTok about loneliness is very different than reaching out to someone that we love and saying, I'm having a rough day. Like, can I just vent? Do you have the space for me to vent for five minutes? You don't have the space? Okay, that's all good. I'll reach out to someone else, right? You're honoring their boundaries, but you're also saying, hey, I kind of need some help. So be in community with, with people that you care about. Reach out to those loved ones. And also, you know, many of us have partners. They have long days as well. When they get home, when you're on the couch next to them, ask them for their bandwidth. Say, hey, how was your day? Do you have the energy to listen to me? Like, I don't really want feedback right now, right? Anytime we go into a social situation with our partner, don't just like <laughs> emotionally <laughs> vomit on them. Like, right? We've all done it. I've myself been there. included. I've been there. <laughs> yes. Say, hey, do you have the space for this right now? Or if you say, you know what? I do want your feedback. Can you give that to me right now? So lean into community. We also want to do breathing exercises, like I shared earlier. That can be part of our mental health toolkit. And then schedule rest in. Schedule intentional joy in. We are not going to dance or 
listen to a song we love or go out for a walk and get fresh air if we don't plan for that to happen. Nobody is going to come and say, you have to go on a walk right now. We have to say, okay, I got to press pause. I've got 10 minutes during my lunch break. I'm going to go take a walk, right? Or my kiddo's playing. This happened just before I hopped on with you. My kid was playing on the with some magnetiles um, on the kitchen floor. And I was like, I have five minutes to get down on his level and be present with him. This is a gift. I'm going to take advantage of it. Those moments, they just go right by. And there's no shame in that. We are busy adults, busy parents. But those small moments of joy, those pockets of joy are there, and it's our job to grab them when we can. So that's part of our toolkit as well. We can also utilize affirmations. So um, something like, I am strong and capable. I can get through this. Um, I am in control of myself in this situation. Those of us that struggle or manage anxiety um, often try to control everything around us, right? And feel like if I just control the world, I will feel okay. We cannot control the world, but we can control ourselves. So have that be an affirmation as well, right? There's also regular exercise routine. Meditations can be in your mental health toolkit. So um, those are a few of them. I know I went through quite a few. It's about taking what works for you, leaving the rest. And the last thing I want to share is being really mindful of how you manage your social media consumption. I say, I mention this to clients frequently, do an audit. Okay. I'm scrolling past this. This is entering my psyche. Does this account make me feel good? Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, what the heck am I, why am, why am I exposing this to myself? So regularly audit. There is a mute button. There is a block button. There are timers on your phones. So you can consume mindfully. We are really in command of our anxiety and our stress management. So implementing some of these tools can be vital. Wow. Again, I'm overwhelmed by how many wonderful tips that you just gave everyone who's listening right now. Again, I I need to have a disclaimer when this podcast goes live to tell people when you listen to this episode, you have to have a notebook and a pen and paper to write all these things down. You're just giving a plethora of, of so many ways that people can manage their stress. I did notice that one thing you didn't mention mm-hmm. is drinking alcohol as a coping skill to manage yes. stress. So we're going to take mm-hmm. a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about that. Why choose a Sleep Number Smart Bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number Smart Bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 Smart Bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Special Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com. Okay, so as we mentioned before the break, we were talking about coping mechanisms and coping skills that people can use to manage anxiety and a stressful day. What suggestions do you have for alcohol management? I noticed that you didn't mention that as one of the things to have in our mental toolkit. Mm-hmm. However, as we talked about earlier in the episode, there are societal norms that are out there that share that drinking alcohol can manage anxiety, can manage Mm -hmm. stress. 
Um, after a long day, it's a way to cope with, you know, when things are going wrong, maybe even having a drink before bed to help them fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Why is that not part of your mental toolkit that you mentioned? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about what alcohol actually is and what it does to our body. Cause I think when we know the details of something, it makes more sense. So alcohol is actually a toxin. It causes our cells to break down. When we first have alcohol, it increases levels of serotonin. Yeah. So let me clarify that. When we drink alcohol, it increases levels of serotonin. Okay. And serotonin boosts our mood and alcohol also increases levels of GABA. GABA is a calming force. So when we have the alcohol, oh my gosh, we feel good. What it also does is it impacts our prefrontal cortex. That's the part of our brain that manages judgment, um, inhibitions. That's why we feel more open. And those of us that struggle with anxiety, you know, it feels good to be at a party and be like, oh, I feel comfortable. I'm talking. I'm having conversations. I'm feeling open. So initially, alcohol really helps us to feel good. But then we crash afterwards and it depletes us. And then our body is trying to catch up, right? And when people say that alcohol helps me fall asleep, it's because they're falling asleep when those serotonin levels are helping them feel good. It also depresses our central nervous system. So our breathing is a little more shallow. We feel more relaxed. So people are like, alcohol helps helps me fall asleep. But once it wears off, all of those things come back. And that's why our um, sleep cycles are impacted. REM sleep, you know, when we dream and we feel restored, uh, those are impacted as well. So we really see that alcohol, while it initially helps us feel less anxious, helps us feel more energized, our mood is lifted, it's actually having the opposite effect. Um, And long-term use impacts our brain chemistry. So our prefrontal cortex that is impacted when we're drinking long-term, that happens even when we're not drinking anymore. So our brain chemistry is shifted by having this alcohol. So I think if people understand what happens, not just, you know, after they're drinking and they're feeling good and feeling energized and my mood is great, then they can go, oh, that's why I feel terrible the next day. And the other thing I want to say in relation from, you know, alcohol and anxiety Anxiety causes us to ruminate, second guess, doubt ourselves, feel nervous about the future. So if we have just put something into our system that is making us not have a good memory and making us second guess the actions and choices we made, that's a brutal combination. And that is something that we want to be really mindful of. I can relate. Um, I drink wine on occasion once in a while. Mm -hmm. I try not to drink it too late in the evening because what happens to me is similar to what you mentioned. I will have even just one glass of wine. Don't feel the effects of it before I go to bed. I go to sleep. I wake up wide awake in the middle of the night and it's much harder for me to go back to sleep. So like you said, my, my REM sleep is, is, uh, compromised. I'm almost more anxious. And I don't know Mm -hmm. if, if you would say this, um, as an expert in this area that alcohol may increase your anxiety. I think people Mm -hmm. drink to lower their anxiety, but I like to kind of go out there and say that it may even increase your anxiety. So like you said, has the opposite effect. Would you agree with that? Or would you like to say anything more about that? Yeah, I, I do agree with that partially because just our brain chemistry is impacted 
affected in that way. We we see increases in the level of serotonin and GABA, and then we have this great deficiency. So our brain is really wanting and trying to get back and like modulate. It's saying, what's going on? Like, oh, I'm so deficient in these things now, right? So there's that happening. And then there are the actual impacts of, you know, being tipsy, saying things, doing things. Um, the way I like to describe it with alcohol is we feel less we perceive less and we stress less, but that doesn't last. It's short term. So as parents, if we've had a really tough day and let's say we're like, oh, I just want to unwind with, with some wine and you know, there's no judgment here. Having some use every once in a while, there's nothing wrong with that. We're talking more about consistent use where we feel like I need to have this tonight to decompress. That's that important distinction that we make. Um, those things that we are avoiding or diminishing or not or trying to not think about that we're using the wine to kind of take a break from, we're not effectively managing them. We're not actually dealing with them. So you know, you know what? To kind of bridge everything we've talked about today. So we have that wine. We're a little tipsy. We feel better. We go to bed. We've already talked about how it impacts your sleep. You're not going to have restorative sleep. You're going to wake up in the middle of the night. Maybe you know the, the dog in the room. We've talked about all these things that can impact sleep, right? You wake up in the morning, you don't have a nutritious breakfast, and then you go, oh my God, oh crap, that thing that was stressing me out yesterday that I didn't actually deal with. I just tried to avoid it. I have to deal with it today. And then things come crashing back and then we feel stressed out. And I think that's why it's really important as parents that we normalize how hard it is. So rather than need to avoid things or minimize them at the end of the day, right? Rather than say, I'm a bad mom, I snapped at my kid or I forgot that thing. And if we're, we're working as well, we're trying to hit a deadline or something, rather than avoid it or avoid any shame or judgment we have towards ourselves, say, you know what, I'm a good mom who snapped at my kid or messed something up and actually acknowledge it rather than just try to... Um, you know, self-soothe with alcohol, which doesn't really manage manage um, the root of what's what's causing us to struggle. Exactly, you said it so well. And even in addition to the mental components that alcohol causes, let's say with our sleep patterns and communication with our partner, our children, you know, all mm -hmm. the things, avoiding stressful situations and then coming back and maybe even having it be more stressful the next day because you may have a, a whole other list of things on your to-do list that you have to do and then you have to add that on top of it, sure. which can be pretty overwhelming, right? <clears throat> but you also mentioned how it's a toxin and I want to talk about how physically it could affect you because you have mentioned a few yeah. things in your in your mental toolkit about getting fresh air, getting exercise, all those things. And when you drink alcohol and, and, you, and it causes inflammation in our bodies, um, I know sometimes I've heard people say, oh, I, I gained five pounds overnight just from bloat and inflammation after they yeah. drank. And then they have no desire to go to the gym, no desire to really even get off the couch sometimes because their bodies physically are like molasses, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then they they can't even use their mental toolkit because not only mentally are they not, you know, um, at the right place that they should be, their bodies are physically saying, 
no, I need a break or I need some rest and I need to detox almost. Mm-hmm. Did you want to say anything more about the physical ramifications? Yeah, no, absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. And one thing I want to add is that after we've been drinking, you know, we're not seeking a smoothie and some like healthy eggs. We want something sugary and excessively fatty. And like our body is, and, and that's our body's way of saying, oh my gosh, like this doesn't feel good. I need to try to fill up and make myself feel better. So it really sabotages our attempt to eat nutritiously and get the food that's going to support our brain health and provide us with um, a feeling of our mood being sustainable, consistent, blood sugar levels. So absolutely, um, if we notice that we are drinking excessively or we need something each evening, that might be a sign that it's important to talk to somebody, get some additional support. But quite frequently, people are just on autopilot and it's not necessarily, certainly there's a genetic predisposition for alcoholism. And if people have that, uh, or if they're in need of that support, that is available. And I encourage them to seek that out. But more frequently, what we see is parents just saying, oh, hey, this is a healthy, this is a coping skill. Yeah, open that bottle of wine. Let's do it, right? And if this, what we've talked about today, if that's resonating for you guys that are listening, it's an opportunity to go, oh, okay, maybe I can start minimizing that a little bit. Maybe I can switch to not doing it every night. Maybe I can bolster my mental health toolkit a little bit um, or have some other coping skills. There are also other options. Like for me, I quit drinking about six months ago because I just noticed that it I wasn't it, it wasn't fun anymore. It wasn't helping me. It, like a lot of the things that we've talked about today, like it was it wasn't enjoyable. And I noticed I was really dehydrated. So I had this feeling of like oh, I'm not even really energized for my day. Um, and I've worked in restaurants. I during undergrad and grad school, both in San Francisco and New York City, I worked in bars and restaurants. So I, that's just sort of, I share that to normalize, <laughs> like all of us are around this, right? We're working with these, you know, in these environments where we're at parties where it's readily available to us. And um, we have the opportunity to say, you know what, maybe this isn't working for me anymore, or maybe I need to just decrease it a little bit. And I really encourage people to get curious and to test it out, say, hey, okay, what's it like for me to, instead of reaching for a cocktail tonight, let me grab a nice bubbly water, put some ice in it, put some fresh fruit in it, sit down, have my journal, maybe light a candle. I know this sounds very woo-woo, very therapy, but I, it, there's a reason research <laughs> research shows us that these tools actually help they us. They work. They work. They work. That's why we share them. They are effective and they help you live the life that you want to be leading. So what would it be like for in the evening instead of reaching for that drink? use those coping skills. There's no harm in giving it a try, right? Yeah, absolutely. There's no harm in giving it a try. I love that you said that. And, you know, I work with with children specifically, and Mm -hmm. I work with a lot of kids um, that have symptoms of, let's say, anxiety, ADHD, ASD, things like that, where research has shown that if you do an elimination diet, let's say with things like gluten and dairy and things like that, some of the symptoms could subside a little yes. bit and min- be minimized. So I'd love to challenge everyone and just say, and if you need to taper off and if you want to, you know, kind of take it slow, that's that's fine. But even try maybe some sort of elimination diet, whether it's caffeine and, and coffee intake um, or whether it's alcohol intake, um, but to eliminate that out of your life for, let's say, even a month to six weeks as long as you can go and see if you feel better, because Mm -hmm. there's a great chance that 
you'll, you know, feel better mentally, you'll feel better physically, and you might be in a different place in one month. Even your anxiety might might lower if you're using your mental health toolkit, but you're also eliminating something like your caffeine intake and your alcohol intake. And you might be in a whole different place, whether it's just for yourself, whether it's as, as a parent to your children, whether it's, you know, to your partner. Um, so I, I'd love to even say that, you know, to try that and eliminate mm-hmm. it completely um, to see if it'll help, which based on research and just our own education, I, I feel like it will. I'd like to say it will. And I'd love for mm-hmm. people to give feedback if they try it. Um, because anyway, it, it, it just, I feel like it will really help people you know, get to a better place, which is what this whole podcast is about. Absolutely. And there's no harm in trying, right? So in regards to caffeine, research tells us that try to have it within six hours before going to bed. I tell clients stop before 12 noon because it impacts. So just have that as, you know, shoot for that as your goal. And then in regards to alcohol, we do see that long-term damage to the brain chemistry. So when you're thinking of minimizing it, I love the challenge that you put out there, like see how it feels to just, you know, not partake. What would it be like to only drink on the weekends right now? Or go through and journal out things that you can do instead of having a drink Um, and really explore all of the ways that alcohol shows up in our lives. When we go out with our friends, it is so, it feels so good to share a cocktail, to be together, to be in community. What would it be like to have a drink that's not alcoholic at that time? And I think I always encourage people to be really mindful of how your body feels. Like I said, we can be on autopilot. So we're just boom, boom, boom. We're getting through the day. We have kids, we have work, we have all of these things that we're doing. Actually, like check in with yourself. How are my hunger cues? Am I thirsty? Like, am I, what do I need right now? Chances are when we feel like, oh, I need a drink. No, you don't need a drink necessarily. You need something and it's our job to investigate what you need. It's not the alcohol though, right? Yeah, I agree. And even just changing that mindset a little bit about what society has told us for so long, what we've probably grown up with, even with our own parents and, you know, probably at an early age of, you know, when you go on vacation to live it up, you got to get those cocktails at the Mm -hmm. the tiki bar or, you know, when it's 4th of July or Christmas or whatever, you know, you celebrate throughout the year that just because it's a holiday or a friend's birthday, or like you said, just going out to dinner with some friends, that alcohol always has to be involved with it. What would your life look like? And what would, what, how would you feel if you didn't feel like, oh, just because it's 4th of July, I have to have some beers tonight mm-hmm. and with the barbecue, like it just kind of goes one and the same. It, it doesn't have to do that, but that's just, like you said, what society has taught us. So mm-hmm. absolutely. And notice your anxiety levels while you're doing this. Be, be in charge, be in command of your feelings, you know, be aware of what's going on. It's one thing to try to minimize a behavior, but let's be mindful and see how you're actually feeling because chances are you're going to feel a lot better and then you're going to want to continue feeling that way. And then, you know, like you and I talked about, I sort of want to make sure and share this, that, uh, you know, within healthy boundaries, alcohol can be a part of our lives, right? No one is saying that it has to be something that you completely eliminate, but when you do have it, it's about having that enjoyment and that enjoying being present with it, not about using it as a coping skill where we've learned today that it's actually sabotaging our brain chemistry and sabotaging our ability to sleep and manage our anxiety and our stress management tools. It's not doing that. So let's work on coping skills that actually help us feel better. 
I love that. Um, Dr. Catherine, where can people find you for more tips, more information? Can you please share your socials and your website with us? Yes. So you can find me at drcatherineschmidt.com. Um, also on Instagram at drcatherineschmidt. And then I also have an online community called The Good Mood Studio, where I share mood-boosting habits and we can be in community with one another. Um, and you can find me there as well. I love that. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your tips today. I know I every time I do this, I learn things and I learned so much from you today. And I'm definitely going to get the worry journal and I'm going to use your your finger, um, you know, to, to uh, exercise to lower some of my anxiety when I when I wake up in the middle of the night to fall back asleep. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all that. I know you've helped so many people today. And I, I for one, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me today. I cannot wait for you to listen to more episodes. If you are a new listener, I recommend starting at my best of year one episode first. Then make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And when you love an episode, please leave a review. And if you want to stay connected between episodes, please visit me on social media at The Parentologist and on my blog at theparentologist.com. This podcast is not intended to be a replacement for therapy. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please call 911. Why choose a Sleep Number Smart Bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number Smart Bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your sleep number setting. The Climate 360 Smart Bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Special Edition Smart Bed, plus free home delivery when you add an adjustable base. Ends Monday. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com.